it's been, um, as I said, an extraordinary week in the life of our nation. And actually, last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday at the All Age, we were doing a service on what makes a good king. Do you remember we were picking a new king? Did, little did we know that this Sunday we would be standing here now with a king. Um, but it's been an extraordinary week for us at all. And um, I think the passing of Queen Elizabeth has affected everybody. It can't help but affect us in some way. And there is that sense of sadness and loss um, at the hearing the news on Thursday. And um, I must admit, when we were here on Thursday with the seniors on Thursday afternoon, some of them had said, can we pray for the Queen? You know, didn't realise that that evening we'd be sitting at home with the news that we had. And I think we all may have shed a tear. But one thing that has been said about her time and time again was that it was a life well lived. She had lived a good life. And I want us to think this morning of how we can live a life that is well lived. What makes a life well lived? Recent studies show that um, many of us are struggling in our society today with something that is called digital distraction. Okay, <laughs> now you're putting your phones away quickly as you're sitting there. Digital, and it comes down to that little device that we carry around in our hands that many of us actually is part of our bodies now that we don't even put down. Um, that we, um, our mobile phone studies show that we are experiencing a digital overload. Okay, that's what we have in our society. Um, we used to live literally our house and then across, just across the road, we were in line, our lounge, because it was like upside down house, so we were at the top, was in line with some offices across the road. Okay, I think it was, what's, now this is my financial knowledge, what's it, the G, Guernsey, Guernsey Financial Services? G, yeah, 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 that's that thing. And um, they deal with money um, across the road from us. And actually, I used to think it was quite dodgy because I could actually read what was on the computer screen across the road. But um, there you go. It used to be across the, the way. Um, don't tell them that. Um, but, um, and our lounge used to glow in the evening, kind of green with the color of the screens because it was never um, closed up in the evening. Um, but it's true, isn't it, that in our workplaces, day and night, we have desktops, laptops, tablets, we have phones, our watches even give us messages now, okay, and give us alerts. Um, it is really quite impossible to try and focus, okay, even if it's something really good, you know, and you sit down, and you just want to read a book in the evening, and it goes, bing, what do you do? Do you carry on reading? Most of us pick up our phone and have a look, okay? It's not only drink driving now that causes a problem, okay? It's using your mobile phone while driving. And we know, you know, you sit at the traffic lights and it turns red and you think, I'll just have a little look, I've got a message, and uh, see if I can quickly check it before it turns green. You do that. Come on. It's not only me. You're looking at me like I'm a real bad person. Look at me. Um, no, we all do it, don't we? We have a little temptation to have a little look and see what we can do. Okay, we get distracted. We are distracted. And it happens in our spiritual lives as well. Okay, we get distracted. It, we all know it, don't we? The second we sit down to read our Bible or something, something happens. You know, it's just we get distracted. There's distractions all around. Um, because here's really what it comes down to. What we are passionate about is the thing that we follow. Our passions are the things that we are going to follow. So my question this morning is, what are you passionate about? 
What are you most passionate about? Now, I'm sure you're all sitting there thinking, Jesus, okay? Because that's the, sun, that's the answer that we tell you to say in Sunday school. If you don't know the answer, say Jesus. You're probably going to be right in some way. Um, but if we're honest, okay, if we're really honest, we're going to find out the thing that we're passionate about by probably looking through our history and our phones, our social media accounts. Um, the Bible says where your Instagram is, so your heart will be also. Um, it tells us that because we know that things that we look at is where our hearts are. It doesn't really say that. It says where our treasure is, but there you go. Um, but if I want to find out about someone, I can find out a lot by looking on social media. Okay, you know, you have um, potential employers. Someone's going, you're going to have a new employee, and you don't know who they are, what do you do? You have a look on Facebook, don't you? You stalk them for a bit. You have a look. You find out that they're mad, crazy cat lady, and you don't employ them. But anyway, here's the note. Rude, rude. Sorry, that's not... People love cats, I know. <laughs> but um, you find out about them, don't you? You look at them. You look at what they're about. You look at what their passions and what they're into. You find out about them, because what their social media is full of okay, is what they're going to be passionate about. And these aren't bad things. I'm not saying they're bad things. If you love cats, that's great. If you love jigsaws, that's great. If you love, I don't know, skydiving, that's great. All these things that you're passionate about, but they aren't the main thing. They shouldn't be the main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, okay? That's a sentence this morning. We need to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's where Jesus needs to be. He needs to be the main thing. He needs to be the passion that's driving us. We all know that we have an enemy that would want to destroy what's going on here, God's community of people. He wants to destroy it. And one of the tactics that he uses to bring destruction is distraction. He wants us to be distracted. He wants us to be distracted from the things of God. Um, so that his, God's kingdom can't advance. So in Acts 6, verses 1 to 8, we have this little passage that I'd like us to look at this morning. I'd like to look at the passage, um, thinking about a life well lived. There's a little bit in there about for Vision Sunday next week. And uh, I also want to have a little look at the character called Stephen, okay, and draw some things that Stephen had in his life, and also I think Queen Elizabeth had in her life, Okay, to see what a life well lived really looks like. So Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Seven men chosen to serve. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Okay, interesting that as they multiplied, there was discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. They were moaning. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, who are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. Now, here's some names. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, wait for it, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them and laid hands on them. 
So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Then Stephen is arrested. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles, signs and signs among the people. So we can read in these, this passage, we can just start to have a look at the early church. These were, this was the early church, the early believers. And we can see um, just by reading what their focus was. Okay, It was Bible study, it was learning from God's word, it was prayer, and it was evangelism. Okay, that's what they were doing. That's what the early church were about. That was the focus of the early church. And suddenly they're like, hey, we're getting distracted. We're getting distracted. We need to um, go back to studying God's word and prayer. And we need to appoint seven men. We need to find seven men um, to continue so the evangelism can continue. And we can then build ourselves up and continue to use the gifts that God has placed in our hearts. And they were having incredible success. It was amazing. They were reaching people. Thousands of people believed on the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people, again, in Acts chapter 4, believed in Jesus. So when God is at work, the enemy wants to destroy what God is doing. He wants to destroy what God is doing and looking to attack. And it's through division. Look at verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumbling of discontent. You know, what they were complaining about really wasn't that important either. If they were complaining about something right, but it wasn't. In this situation, one group thought the other group was being favoured and they were a bit moany and, and whingy. And what they actually were was selfish. It was selfishness. It wasn't, wasn't selfless, it was selfish that these, this group were being. And I wonder how often we fall into that trap ourselves. We wouldn't like to think it. None of us would like to think that we're selfish people. We certainly wouldn't like to say to someone, oh, I'm a really um, selfish people. But often we fall into the trap of, what about me? What about me? And I wonder sometimes when we're going to become mature enough as Christians to start to realize that it's not about me. It's not about me. Vision Sunday will be thinking about that. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about us as a community. It's about us as a people, as a, as a culture, um, us as a community. It's not about me. It's about we. It's not just about everyone serving me and thinking, what do I come to church for? Oh, it's for, for me. And what are they doing for me? And what's happening here? But it's actually, how can I serve others? How can I serve others? How can I use the gifts that God has given me? How can I start using that? How can I develop and use my gifts? And this is the thing that I think sometimes we miss out on. The secret of Christian living and living in happiness is actually through serving, not by being served. It's through serving. Jesus came to serve. That is the model that Jesus set us. That is the example that he set us. Happiness is found uh, not in self-fulfillment, but in self-denial. It's an upside down. You want to find your life, then we need to lose our life. That's the teaching of the Bible. Queen Elizabeth knew this truth. She said at Christmas in 1980, in difficult times, we may be tempted to find excuses for self-indulgence and to wash our hands of responsibility. Christmas stands for the opposite. 
we need to go out and look for opportunities to help those less fortunate than ourselves, even if that service demands sacrifice. She knew what it was to serve. Jesus says, if any man will take up his cross and follow me and lose his life, he will find it. If we want to find life, we have to lose our life. What does that mean? It means that we need to put God first in our life, pursue the things of God with all of our being. And in doing so, we'll find that happiness that we so desperately desire. All of us want that peace, that happiness, that contentment in our lives. Jesus said it's more happy for us to give than to receive. It's more blessed for us to give than to receive. So the apostles say, let's look for some spirit-filled men. They start looking for spirit-filled men. And you know what's really interesting here? I think, and we need to take note of this. They were looking for spirit-filled men, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, to do the practical things. To do the practical things. And I mention this because sometimes I think we fall into the trap of thinking that if we're speaking or if we've got a role at the front, we need to be spirit filled and full of wisdom. Yes, yes, that's right. But we also need to be spirit filled and full of wisdom when we're serving tea and coffee, when we're on the sound desk, when we're leading worship, when we're chatting to others, when we're out and about every day. We need to be spirit filled in the practical service. You know, people. Um, need to encounter the Holy Spirit when they come through that door on the welcome team, when they get a cup of coffee, they need to encounter the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need spirit-filled servants of God doing what God has called them to do. That's what we need. We need people full of the Holy Spirit. And the character I want us just to think about this morning is the very first on that list, um, described as a man full of the Spirit, full of the spirit and well-respected. That's what it says. He was well-respected. Stephen has some unique qualities, and they also reflect the life of Queen Elizabeth as well. And I'd just like to identify these as we look at a life well-lived, a life well-lived. Stephen, opposite to Queen Elizabeth, died very young. So very different deaths, if you like, Queen Elizabeth lived a long life, and she achieved so much. Stephen's life was short. He didn't live for many years. And for many, we would say that's tragic, and it is. But he lived well those years. It's better to have a short life, I believe, and live it well than a long life and live it miserable and bad. Okay? I would rather live a short life and live it well. So many times we think of it as a tragedy, and it is, but if he's lived his life well, he lived it so well. Um, And I want to just have a look at some of the qualities of his life. Verse 3 says, he was a well-respected man. He was well-respected. If you want to be used by God, if you want God to use you, it's important for you to be well-respected, to have a good reputation. You know, people spoke well of Stephen, How do people speak of you this morning, okay? How do they speak of you? How do they speak of you when you walk out the room, okay? What do they think of you? When you walk into a room, do they think, yay, great, Jordan's here? Or do they go, oh, no, Jordan's arrived? But, I mean, how do people speak of you? What do they say when you aren't around? 
you know, many of the tributes to Queen Elizabeth this week, um, what really struck me was how each of the former prime ministers said that they really looked forward to that time that they spent with her each week. Just her presence made a difference to their lives. Just being with her, being in it with her wisdom and her knowledge, just being with her, they enjoyed being in her presence. I wonder this morning, what do people say of us? How about us as a church? What's our reputation on the island as a church? What's our reputation as a community? What's our individual reputation today? Do people speak well of us? Secondly, he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And when we think of the Holy Spirit, we often think of the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we forget about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 5 says, but the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes in church life, you have really gifted people. You might have someone who says, I play the drums amazingly. I'm, you know, like, I've got a degree in it, and I'm fantastic at the drums. But they're just really angry person and really impatient and horrible to be around. Well, you can take your gift and sit with it, because actually, I, we want to look for people with character, character and heart. That's what's really important, you know, people whose hearts and character, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the most brilliant, I don't know, techie person, if you're not loving and everyone approaches the sound desk like this because they have to talk to you and ask you, that, you know, that's not what we look for. We want to see the fruit of the Spirit in people's lives. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, you know, kindness. The Queen, self-control. How much self-control did the Queen demonstrate over her lifetime? Goodness me, amazing. You know, we don't just need the power of the Spirit, we need the fruit of the Spirit. Next, it says Stephen was filled with wisdom. And we read on. If we read on through the next couple of chapters, you might want to do that when you get home. If you read on to the next couple of chapters, um, you'll see his speech, and it's full of the Word of God, full of the Scriptures. He knew the Word of God. He really knew the Word of God. Though he was young, he was wise. And I've met so many young people who I am so impressed with by their wisdom and their knowledge of the Bible. You know, look at some of these guys here. They, their knowledge of the Bible is great, you know. And Queen Elizabeth said, no age group has a monopoly of wisdom. And indeed, I think the young can sometimes be wiser than us. Haven't we got a lot to learn sometimes? You know, Stephen was full of wisdom. He was young but wise. And he was faithful in the little things. He was a servant. He served food. He waited on tables, but he did it faithfully, and God saw that faithful heart. Because he was faithful in the little, God gave him great. He had great things. But you know what? Because God had gifted him, because he was doing these great things, because he, his passion for Jesus was so evident, his enemies saw what God was doing in Stephen. They saw it and they wanted to stop him. So in Acts 6, 11, it says, so they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from these were simply lies. Stephen honored and he glorified God. 
They made these lies up about him. And I'm sure the queen, bless her heart, has read so many stories, heard so many things about herself and about her family that just simply aren't true, has had lies spoken over them. Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. This is hard. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. It's having that eternal perspective. When someone, all they can do is make up something about you because your life is living for Jesus, then be glad because your reward will be in heaven. Another quality of Stephen is that he looked for opportunities and he seized them. He looked for the opportunities that God was giving them and he grabbed them. I don't know about you, if you were a family that gathered around the television on Christmas afternoon to listen to the Queen's speech. Maybe you were, you stopped lunch and you all went around and gathered around the television. Um, but goodness me, she was a woman who took the opportunity to talk about faith. You know, um, on to, in Christmas 2014, she said, this is what she said in her speech. For me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek, to, seek to respect and value all people, whatever faith or none. She used her opportunity. She used that, that platform that she had to speak about Jesus to the nation. So here's Stephen. He's brought before the Sanhedrin. He has this opportunity. It's the Supreme Court of the day. Yes, they had religious authority, but they also had secular authority. These were influential people really influential people. So here Stephen stands before them with these accusations and lies spoken over him. He's there. And he's thinking, shall I just make up a lie myself? No. He's thinking this is an opportunity to share the gospel. This is still an opportunity to share Jesus. There was one man there called Saul. We all know Saul. I wonder if he thought if that man came to know Jesus, the difference he would make. He was going to share the gospel with them. So Stephen, if we read it in, in uh, chapter 7, he gives this amazing overview. He speaks to the Sanhedrin. He tells the history of the Jewish people. And there's so much interesting detail, but then he brings it back. He brings it back to the life of Jesus. And he reminds those influential people that it was them it was them that betrayed Jesus and they crucified Jesus. And this doesn't go down well. This doesn't go down well. Read in verse 54 in, in Acts 7, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. If someone shakes their fist at you, you know you're not going, getting on very well. Okay, it's not going down well. What a story. They were so biased. They should have known better. These people should have known better. They knew the word of God. And yet it says in verse 57, almost childlike, they put their hands over their ears and started screaming. You know, almost childlike. I can't believe these men of authority sitting there with their hands over their ears and shouting. And you know, have you ever noticed how when you start to talk about Jesus, the reaction is interesting, isn't it, among people? 
You can talk about anything that you're into, whatever hobby you've got. I don't know what your hobby is. Origami, wrestling, whatever it is. Whatever you're into, you can talk about it with people, okay? But talk about, I went to church on Sunday. It's like, okay, cut the atmosphere with a knife. Okay, uh, talk about Jesus. It becomes hard. It becomes difficult. People get twitchy. Why do they react that way? Because John 3.20 tells us to expect it. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sin will be exposed. Don't want to go near the light. Remember we spoke the other week about being light, how we're lights, you know, um, that you're bringing light into a dark place. You know, I said it's like being in bed, tucked up under your covers and someone comes in and switches the light switch on and you're like, ah, you know, like it's horrible. You don't want that light, you know. You're quite comfy in your cozy little dark place. Thank you very much. And someone turns the light on. That's what we're like. Okay, that is what it's like when we talk about Jesus. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And when we were obeying what God is asking us to do, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We take the Holy Spirit wherever we go. God doesn't pour his Holy Spirit out on us just for the fun of it. He doesn't think, oh, it'd be a bit of fun if Naomi was filled with the Spirit. You know, let's give her some Spirit. It's not just like toys for us to play with, but tools. We have tools in our hand to build the kingdom of God, to see God's kingdom grow here. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the power uh, God gives us is for a purpose. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. We will be God's witnesses. That's what we need to do. God gave Stephen this power for a purpose, and that purpose was to share the good news of Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question. It might cut a bit deep. When was the last time you spoke to someone about Jesus? When was the last time you shared Jesus with someone? Okay, the gospel is to be shared, not hoarded to be shared, not hoarded. You are blessed to be a blessing. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. We recognize it's difficult. I know how hard it is. It's so hard. And that's why we want you to come on Vision Sunday, because next week we'll start to look at ways how we can equip you and use the things that God has placed in us so that it, we make it easier for you to be able to share the gospel. We provide an environment for you where you can share the gospel with people, where you can share that love of Jesus in a very natural setting. We want to do that next week. So come next week and hear because we want to not only equip you with the gifts and the tools, but provide the setting where you can do that too. Okay, so come next Sunday because it's going to be exciting. We don't um, want to be physically big, okay? but we do want a fat soul. Does that make sense? I want a fat soul. And so next time you're feeling a bit overweight and tell people, it's just my fat soul, okay? Be, be delighted. It's my fat soul. I don't want to be big, but I want to have fat soul. And when we water others, we get watered. When we give out, we get filled. And I want my soul to be full, okay? I want to be a fat soul, okay? But sometimes we say, oh, no, 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 but it's all about me. It's all about me. I want it to be all about me. I don't want it to be about others because they disrupt things. Okay? It's all about me. I'm going to say to you this morning, it isn't. It, no, it isn't. I'm sorry. It's wrong. Okay? It's about 
us, it's about we, it's about our community. That's what we're about, okay? And as we give, um, then we receive. The Queen reminded us, she said this, that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. Those are the words of the Queen. What an amazing lady. And you know, it's about you doing something for someone else. It's about us doing things for others. And the Bible says, give and it shall be given. As you give, God will replenish you. He will replenish you and refresh you. And I can tell you from experience, there are times when I just don't feel like preaching. Okay, might surprise you. There's sometimes I think, oh, got a Saturday night out and I've got to have it hanging over me all day and I'm going to have to get up in the morning and speak or like you just don't feel like it some mornings you wake up on a Sunday morning you think oh it's going to be hard to speak today but I can tell you every time that I feel like that by the end of my message I'm feeling replenished and revived and I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit has really um, you know filled me again and refreshed me again You know, when we give out, when we serve, you know, we are so much blessed back. I'm refreshed and refilled. You know, you might say this morning, it's all right for you though, Chrissy. It's all right for you. You know, you don't know how hard my life is, how difficult my life is, how difficult my circumstances are. You know what? Sometimes I think it's important for us to take our eyes off our own circumstances and look at others you know, and sometimes be with people who are suffering greater than we are. And it helps us to see and get perspective on our own circumstances. Sometimes when we look at others and we give out, then we realize, actually, God, thank you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. We get perspective. When we're obedient, God will use you and God will bless you. Stephen here was full of the Holy Spirit full of the Holy Spirit. The members of the Sanhedrin, they were coming under conviction of the Holy Spirit. In verse 51, it says they were resisting the Holy Spirit. They were resisting what God wanted to do and say, which tells us that they knew it was true. They knew what Stephen was saying was true. And yet they were going, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I know what you're saying is true, but I'm putting my hands over my ears and I'm going to shout loud and I'm going to shake my head just like a child and say, no, I know it's true, but I don't want to hear it anymore. Stephen, Stephen lived a life well. It was short. He was the first martyr, but he lived a life well, just like Queen Elizabeth. They were true heroes, true heroes of our Christian faith. They really were. And Stephen was so faithful and so Christ-like in his actions. You know, if we want to live a life well, the main thing is, is that we live for Jesus without distraction. Keep our eyes on the main thing. We need to find true happiness in serving. We need to start serving, start using our gifts, start speaking the gospel. There's no greater joy than when you share Jesus with someone and they say, they say, great, I accept Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. There is no greater joy than that when we use our gifts. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's what we need, each one of us. And we need to seize the opportunities. Seize the opportunities 
when they're presented to us, when God brings those opportunities along. And that's what we'll be looking at next week, thinking about the opportunities that God wants to present to us, that we can seize those opportunities and share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus.